Page two, history's forgotten headlines, Hollywood's first scandal. This is history's forgotten headlines. Here, we revisit some of America's most notorious and shocking murders, scandals, and disasters that once made headlines across the world, and now they've not only fallen to the back pages, but have almost been completely forgotten. Everything you're about to hear involves some of the most powerful, wealthy, and beloved Americans of their time. Many are lives of triumph that end only in tragedy. These are history's forgotten headlines. Page two, Hollywood's first scandal. You don't need me to tell you Hollywood is full of scandals. So much so scandals have been a part of Hollywood longer than sound in movies. Yeah, Hollywood scandals date back to the days of silent films. The very first major scandal to hit Tinseltown involved its biggest star, literally and figuratively. He was a large man. He was born in 1887. He weighed about 16 pounds. A large baby, and he grew into being a very uh, large man. He was America's foremost comedian and star at the time. Today, very, very, very few people have ever heard of him. And the very few people who have heard of him always connect him with, oh, isn't he the guy that... Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. He was said to be around 5 feet, 9 inches tall, and about 260 pounds. Some reports even put him closer to 300 pounds. And he was Hollywood elite. He was a singer, dancer, and comedian. And yeah, a dancer. And he was immensely popular. He stood toe-to-toe with Charlie Chaplin, if not more popular. He and Charlie Chaplin were 1 and 1A as the biggest stars in America at that time. You know, we're talking about a century ago, a little over a century ago. And, you know, on par with the biggest comedians today, whether, you know, whether it's Eddie Murphy, whether it's John Stewart, whether it's uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, you, you know, he was bigger than them. He got in literally right at the very, very beginning. You know, when he's, in fact, when he first started, you know, Hollywood was just, was a, a mere baby. In fact, to show you how little actors were appreciated, if you look for a room, I'm talking about like around 1908 or something, there'd be signs on apartments to let, you know, no dogs and no actors. And then uh, literally within about four or five years, things were radically changing. Things were changing radically in a good way. Hollywood was booming. In 1918, at a time when movie tickets were less than a quarter, Fatty made history by being awarded the first million-dollar film contract. Think about that for a second. And he didn't mind to spend it. He was known to have this giant car that matched his size. For any car fans out there, it was a 1919 Pierce Arrow. It had a built-in bar and, get this, as rumor has it, there was also a toilet installed. By today's standards... Really? It was one hell of a party bus. It was just one heck of a big car. You are the angel. 
Everyone loved Fatty, especially back then when celebrities could keep much of their personal lives a secret. Fans only knew them for their roles on the big screen, or at least so they thought. You know, things were going on in Hollywood at the time that, that America really did not know. And when they finally found out, you know, it really hit the fan, frankly. And before we get to things hitting the fan with Hollywood's biggest star, I want to introduce you or reintroduce you for some, to Judge Mark Kantrowitz. This is one of my favorite stories. He has extensive knowledge on not just the law, but also history, especially this forgotten headline. Sorry, had to put in a little plug there. I have a love of history, and I've written uh, four now history-related type books. And uh, my latest one is called uh, Old Whiskey and Young Women, American True Crime Tales of Murder, Sex, and Scandal. Now, back to Fatty. Again, he was a superstar and he was supersized. No one lived life larger than him, but one night at the Weston St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco, California, everything changed. Fatty and some friends went to relax and have a little party. It was Labor Day weekend, 1921. So they drive up to uh, San Francisco. He goes into San Francisco's uh, nicest hotel at the time. They go to the hotel uh, for a weekend of rest, relaxation, and partying. They rented three rooms, and the guys stayed on two of the outer rooms, and in the middle room, that was the party room, and the party started, and it was, uh, it was party time. Everyone had to stay pretty hush-hush about this party because it was right near the beginning of Prohibition in America. You know, so people legally couldn't get alcohol. This did not even minimally slow down the party. So alcohol and people were coming in and out. I'm sure there were probably little trysts. So, you know, uh, it was one wild, long party. The alcohol was flowing, and so were the people coming and going at the party. There were a lot of people... But there was one woman you need to know about, model and actress Virginia Rapp. She was more well-known for her reputation than her acting. More on that in a second. But to her credit, she did win the Best Dressed Girl in Pictures Award in 1918. Virginia Rapp was a young starling. At some point in her life, she got a little fancy and changed her name ever so slightly. She kind of at some point changed her name. She added an E at the end, so it became, it went from Virginia Rap to Virginia Rappé. Rap or Rappé. Virginia couldn't escape her salacious reputation. Very attractive young uh, woman who once again was very, very deeply involved in the party scene. It was, you know, you know it's hard to do some research because you don't know who or what to believe. And back then, you know, people talk about fake news now, back then, you know, and, and you know, there's just, I write about this, is instance after instance after instance of things just being made, to being made totally up, just totally fabricated because it's just a better story. So it's just hard to, to, to split the fact from the fiction. Now we have chosen to go into these details for one reason, it gives you a sense of what was being said about her at the time and how many viewed her. Now, 
whether these stories are true or not, that's tough to tell. But these have been reported, and these were the rumors swirling around Hollywood. But again, these could be totally made up, or they could be totally true. It's been reported, whether it's true or not. It's that Virginia Rapp was not only a wild party girl, that she had gotten pregnant six times and had six abortions. And then she winds up getting married at a very young age to a guy who's in his 40s. She's probably in her mid-teens. She marries a guy who's 40. She has a baby, and you know she leaves him behind, and she winds up in Hollywood. So uh, she really had the reputation of being a, a real, real party girl. And the stories don't stop there. And, and two stories, perhaps apocryphal, perhaps not, that, uh, once again, I, it's out there. I'll pass it along. Hopefully I'm not passing along false information. Can't stress it enough. These stories were out there at the time. You know, allegedly she gave, on a movie set, she gave... She slept with so many men on the movie set, and she had a venereal disease and spread the venereal disease. And, and so many people got venereal disease, they had to shut down the movie studio for three weeks. Now, that's the story, whether it's believable or not. You know, I tend to not believe it, but you know, that's what it was reported. She was known as a woman who sometimes when she got very highly inebriated, she would rip off her clothes. You know, it's just once again, it was just a... That segment of Hollywood, that was just a wild, wild time. So now you know at least a little bit of Virginia's reputation at that time. And somehow, she found her way to Fatty's party. It was probably the word got out, you know, you know, Fatty's throwing a party, let's go to the party. So anybody who's anybody in San Francisco at the time who was connected to the media uh, decided, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, let's just drop in and... and you know, Fatty certainly did not invite her. In fact, he knew of her reputation and really did not like her and was probably not happy to see her. But she did arrive with a woman named um, Maud Delmont, who was a character in her own right. She had just met Maud recently, and, and uh, they arrived uh, together. As the party continues, Fatty goes to the restroom in another room. Some believe he was about to leave the party. If only he had left just a little earlier. And uh, the party's going on, the party's going on. And, and, and Fatty at this point, you know, goes back to his room and he has to go run some errand or something. You know, he was going to leave the party. Whether it was he was going to leave innocently or he was going to leave because he had been partying all weekend, I don't know. So, you know, but he had decided he was going to leave. And then he quickly, you know, stumbles upon Virginia, who's very highly intoxicated. And, and she's sick. She's thrown up on herself. She's in the bed. She's rolling off the bed. She's really very, she's ill. At the time, it was only Fatty and Virginia in the room. All the other guests are in other parts of the suites. And music was blaring. No one else is around to see a very sick Virginia writhing on the bed. You know, she's pretty sick. And then what Fatty does, and this gets totally changed, is that, you know, she's on the bed. She's obviously perspiring and she has a fever. And he just goes to, like, you know, the credenza and picks up some water and just kind of sprinkles some water on her, whether he did it directly, whether he, you know, put some in his hand and wiped it on her. I don't know. But eventually, her screams of agony would be so loud, others would rush in. Maud Delmont, you know, winds, uh, winds into the room, and, 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 and Fatty says to her, you know, Maud, and, 
and and uh, you know we, you know she's sick she should go get a doctor or so or something and then at some point you know uh, Virginia's really hysterical she's really you know seriously you know inebriated or ill and and she says the fatal words for fatty she just blurts out stay away from me I don't want you near me what did he do to me Morty Roscoe did this to me. Remember those fateful words. Fatty did this to me. But given her reputation, many believe she was just extremely drunk. Fatty proceeds to leave, and Virginia proceeds to get sicker. So what is it that he did to her? You know, Roscoe doesn't pay much attention to her. It's just the rantings of a drug person. He tells uh, Maud to... Uh, to, you know, just get her a doctor. This time, two other women, uh, you know, they hear the screams and they go in seeing what, what's going on. And, you know, Fanny basically says, hey, she's sick, get her a doctor, I'll see you later. What happens? A doctor, Dr. Rumsfeld, who's the kind of the, the doctor to the well-to-do and the stars in the area, apparently, you know, he comes in and he starts treating her, and then he treats her and then says, yeah, she probably had too much to drink, you know, you know, basically she'll sleep it off, she'll be okay, and then he leaves, and then she's left with a nurse. However, it only gets worse from there. Virginia continues to get sicker and sicker for the next few days, her friends get worried, so she's finally taken to the hospital. But the very next day, less than a week after leaving Fatty's party, the 30-year-old actress, Virginia Rappay, dies. While at the hospital, Virginia's friend told the doctor Virginia had been raped by Fatty. And the friend and her friends told anyone who was willing to listen about those fateful words, Fatty did this to me. Much like, you know, you can imagine today, you know, if, you know, a major star is involved in the death, you know, or is around the death of someone, it's going to be front page news, you know, and then unlike today where they're going to carry out hopefully a thorough investigation, back then, you, you know, you just have a lot of, you know, people who just, you know, they just didn't do investigations like they should. And very quickly, uh, you know, you know, Fatty's charged with her rape murder. That's right. Hollywood's biggest star is charged with rape and murder. The newspapers went wild. what Virginia had blurted out, look what he did to me. And then the press, the Hearst, and, you know, the, the press went to, and that sprinkling from the bottle somehow became a champagne bottle. And that champagne bottle somehow, you know, was reported that it was inserted into her while he raped her. It's absurd. It was talking about fake news. And then other uh, news media to outdo themselves. Well, it was Fatty's great girth. He weighed about 275 pounds or so. And he's raping her. He's on top of her. And he's uh, smothering her to death. All totally made up. It's important to note that Virginia's cause of death was determined to be a ruptured bladder. But it was how she got that ruptured bladder that caused a whirlwind of suspicion. Price jumped all over it. And then they started 
reporting, whatever sold papers, you know, you know, my research on this and other, on other, uh, uh, other stories f- for a lot of press people, not all press people at the time, for a lot of press people is just write what's what's the most illicit, what's the most uh, attention-grabbing, and what will sell papers. You know, they were kind of in competition with each other. What's, you know, what story is going to, what's the best story to sell papers? And if it's, you know, Fatty murdered this woman, that's going to sell papers, right? As opposed to, you know, you know, Fatty left an ill person who he had nothing to do with left, and then, you know, five days later finds out she died. The first story is a better story. And then so you have all this stuff, and you throw that in the pot, and you throw Fatty in the pot, and then you make up the stories. And I got to tell you, you got one wild story going on. And those stories were front-page headlines in every newspaper in America. Every newspaper, absolutely. Just about everyone is angry and disgusted at Fatty. So long before his trial even starts, he's found guilty in the eye of the public. Fatty is now in dire straits professionally and economically. Because once news of this hits, immediately throughout America, he becomes a person, you know, a person non gratis. So immediately all of his films are, are pulled and immediately he's blacklisted. Yeah, literally he's black. Nobody wants anything to do with him. And given his lavish lifestyle, the mansion at home, I told you about his car, which is, you know, a car, it's really a party bus, basically, and, and, and his lawyers cost an arm and a leg. So he really was in kind of financial straits, and he had no income at all. All the money's going out the door. Eventually, Fatty goes to trial. While he has plenty of issues, including being spit on, as he's walking into court, the prosecutors have issues of their own. Fatty's main accuser was a convicted criminal who had admitted plotting to extort money from him. Maud Delmont is the world's worst witness because she's, she's, uh, she's, she has a long rap sheet for, for extortion, for, uh, for, for scamming people. She would try to entrap men and catch them in embarrassing positions and blackmail them. Fatty's other two accusers were also Virginia's friends, and they were also terrible witnesses. Their stories kept changing and were never consistent. Still, the prosecutors went to trial against America's once beloved star. And then, uh, once again, back then, you know, things were a little different. And one of the jurors, at one point, I'm not sure what point, was heard to say, I don't care what he's accused of, he's guilty. Now, this is not an impartial juror, right? This is not an impartial juror. In fact, I think she had some connection to the DA's office. And, and so they hear the uh, first trial, and it winds up uh, a hung jury. Ten people for not guilty, two people for conviction. So it's a hung jury and a do-over. Fatty now uh, has a second trial, and the second trial, his attorneys just mail it in. Fatty doesn't take the stand. They just, they just mail and they just do a terrible job. And it's, a, once again, a hung jury. This time, the majority of the jury votes for him, uh, votes him guilty. 
And we're not done there. Fatty goes to trial once again, and as you know, third time's the charm. And then Fatty's uh, lawyers finally get it right the third time. They say, you know, they put Fatty back on the stand. He testifies. They get it right. And then the jury uh, goes out for 10 minutes, which is almost unheard of. Fatty was finally found not guilty. But declaring him innocent wasn't enough for the jury. During the 10 minutes where they're voting him not guilty, they write a letter to the judge, really unheard of, right? And basically, I'm I'm paraphrasing, the letter says, not only is Mr. Arbuckle not guilty, he's innocent of the charges, and we hope that this will not have an adverse effect on his career. Fatty quickly found out, though, that being innocent in a court of law is far from being innocent in the public eye. He continued to be uh, blacklisted for the next, you know, 13 years or so. He's, he started uh, through friends in Hollywood. Buster Keaton, who was a big silent film star at the time, who was a good friend of Fatty, and says, Hey, Fatty, why don't you write some scripts just under a different name? Mm-hmm. So Fatty did that under the name William B. Good, or Will B. Good. So just showing his sense of humor even back then. So he made a, uh, you know, he's making some money, obviously, but, you know, he was really blacklisted throughout America. But then one day, 13 years later, Fatty's life changes again. The skies open up, and he's given a second chance at stardom. Finally getting freed from his personal hell. Warner Brothers called him in. They said, Fatty, you've suffered enough. We're going to have you uh, uh, sign a a contract with us, and you're going to be making movies again for us. He probably, you know, said, oh, my God, my, the sun has come out after 13 years of walking in a dark, cold blizzard of life and misery. And, and all of a sudden now the light has come out and it's all of a sudden 75 degrees and a bright blue sky and life is all of a sudden good again or it's going to be good again. Fatty was elated. He was jubilant. He said, this is the happiest day of my life. And after declaring that day the happiest of his life, Fatty went home and died in his sleep. And a postscript, if I might add, the reason for Virginia Rapp or Rapp Hayes' death was probably, this is a guess on my part, was probably due to complications of an abortion performed perhaps by Dr. Rumsfeld. And Rumsfeld was, the, you know, the doctor of the stars, and it's very highly conceivable that she died from the effects of an abortion. Uh, after she died, Rumsfeld 
took control of the body and performed an unlawful autopsy. You couldn't do another autopsy, apparently, because certain of her body parts were destroyed during the first autopsy. He probably did the abortion. She died from the effects of the abortion. He did the abortion. So let me do an unlawful autopsy and cover up that evidence and, you know, just cover my own, uh, my, 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 my own butt. Virginia's death remains a mystery to this day. No one is exactly sure what caused her ruptured bladder, but a common phrase that's often tied to the young actress, she's more remembered for her death than her life. As for Fatty's cause of death, he died of a heart attack, and he was just 46 years old. We'll leave you with that. I'm Justin Doherty, and while the headlines may be forgotten, just don't forget about us. (laughs) 